Hello, everyone. You are listening live into the Bradley Bayston WEGL studio. I'm Alex Houston alongside Noah Phillips, and this is once again Compact Discourse. I know many of you may have listened to the Compact Discourse finale only a few months ago, but Weagle is bringing it back as its official daily morning show on Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn student-run radio station since 1971. And again, as I said, Noah Phillips joining the show. I think this is the first time you've ever been on Compact Discourse. It is the first time I've been on Compact Discourse. And I know it's a big deal for Compact Discourse to have me on. It is, absolutely. <laughs> and it's uh, it, it, honestly, it, it really is because we were we wanted to bring, keep a Weagle morning show in the loop. We previously had the Extra Point as its morning sports show. But I think Compact Discourse fit, honestly, the variety that we're looking for because I think something that a lot of us had discussed, and we discussed it with Jack Hart last year uh, as he departed Auburn, unfortunately, uh, leaving uh, Compact Discourse to us, was the idea that we wanted a show that can essentially serve not just as a representation of Weagle and the fact that it'll have all the variety that Weagle possesses, but also in the fact that it can serve as training for a lot of the newer DJs. Like, hey, if you need some experience, just come on the show in the morning 15 minutes. Because I get it. Hosting your own show is pretty intimidating so getting on here getting that experience beforehand is always helpful and you know we're starting your own show this year yeah uh me and Griggs look to be doing a f1 show that should be coming out on a friday at some point we don't know exactly the date but either be uh next friday or the friday after that and we're real excited to be bringing that to y'all yeah and that'll be really exciting f1 had its race yesterday where max verstappen won yet again yep yet again and you know as a ferrari fan myself we just can't make the correct strategy calls you know, it's really insulting to me because I can make those calls on an F1 manager game. But, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it is whatever. It is whatever. Yeah, I'm sure there's totally uh, no difference there uh, between the F1 video game and reality. Oh, there's no difference. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I have like the 1,000th fastest lap on uh, one of the racetracks in the game. So that means I could probably drive oh, like, yeah. a Formula 1 car Yeah, right of, co- of course. You definitely have the... Um, Oh my lord! The, the race sense, the yeah. ability to drive—you know—the fortitude to deal with <laughs> a bunch of cars going 250 miles an hour past you, or however fast they go. It's whatever the European um, me- unit of me- measurement is. Kilometers um, per hour. Yeah, kilometers per hour. It's a lot of those. That's I have no out. idea. What. Well, that—that's that, kind of an important piece of information you may need before you hit the track. No, I'll just tell them to change like the uh, speedometer before I get in. If they oh, even have lord. a speedometer, they probably even don't. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they probably – Lord have mercy. Well, that's just a sneak peek <laughs> at the soon-to-be F1 Weagle 91.1 FM show. It'll be called we, – we called it the Pit Crew. We uh, thought it was a good name. Uh, We're still working on names, though. Is it going to be that or the Smooth Operators? Smooth Operators. That's not, that's not bad, too. I like both, honestly. And we looked it up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and both are very rare names. Yes, so. they are. So – you shouldn't have to look too hard. Yeah, don't don't make this mistake me and Davis made because with our podcast through the lens, there's like maybe 20 results anytime you look it up, and yep. ours is like the 20th of those results, so it's not not ideal. How many of those podcasts have bucket hats? Uh, I'm not sure about that, uh, but technically, according to Britt, we're not allowed to discuss that on the airwaves. Oh, oh so. my bad, my bad, my bad. You <laughs> did, no, nobody heard that. Nope, nobody no, heard nobody that. noticed. Nobody noticed. Um. <laughs> Now, as as I said with Compact Discourse, it's going to be a little different uh, this time around. I'll only be hosting the Monday version of the show, which will be the more sports version of the show, because obviously we'll have a previous weekend of sports to talk about. Then Logan, the program director, will be hosting Tuesdays. And if I'm not mistaken, Rio, will be, Paul, Rio the um, music director, will be hosting Wednesdays, and Adrian, 
our marketing director will be hosting on Thursday. So just, you know, a little bit of everything on every episode of Compact Discourse. But as I said, this being our sports show, and even in week zero, when Auburn doesn't play until Mercer, they still gave us a lot to talk about over the weekend. The biggest news of all, not even being TJ Finley, but that Alan Green has stepped down as the athletic director, put in his resignation later letter, excuse me, to um, President Roberts, the newest president who was just appointed after Jay Googe retired for the second time uh, back in January slash February. So obviously Alan Green's departure. What's that, you know, first reaction you had to the news, Noah? Well, I thought first and foremost, he seemed like a really great guy. Had a really great head on his shoulders and could talk really well. And I think it's terrible that Auburn has lost him. But for Alan Green, I think it's the right move for him personally. I don't think it was the right move for Auburn, but I think it was 100% the right move for him. I don't know where exactly he could go, uh, but him leaving was definitely the right move for him. I would say so as well, because, I mean, you'd hear we've heard rumblings, and there's been reports since back in February that Auburn was not going to re- renew his contract. And that's what ended up happening here is that he asked Roberts for an extension because his contract came up in January, and they said – well, let's wait after football season, but that's not an, that's not the kind of security that you need because then you're behind the eight ball on a lot of people who are already probably searching for those athletic director jobs. So get out earlier, go searching, you know, put your name out there and possibly pick up another job elsewhere versus because, I mean, even after football season, I mean, how good would they have to be to retain him? Plus, I don't necessarily buy oh, well, we're going to wait to see what happens in football season, as if Auburn Athletics has not been killing it lately in every other facet, which is his job. I mean, Auburn basketball had one of its best regular seasons ever. Auburn gymnastics goes to his first Final Four ever. Auburn baseball goes to the College World Series again. Not all direct impacts of Alan Green, but as athletics director, that is, in fact, his job. And if you look at the other sports like volleyball or women's basketball, they are building a true program over there underneath their coaches and underneath Green. And – you look at soccer, I don't know if you brought them up, they they could be fixing to go on a run, tying Wake Forest and tying Florida State over the weekend, uh, which so, kind of hate that for Alan Green because you know that with him being on, they're going to lose that, some of that stability in the other sports. And just to judge them based off football, that that's terrible. Yeah, I, and again, those are all the reports. That's not anything officially confirmed. He just put in his resignation letter. That's all based on reports from people with inside sources in the program. But I think, you know, again, you mentioned that, you know, you can't give him credit for the hirings of Jeff Graba, Bruce Pearl, and Butch Thompson. They all predate Alan Green. But he did hire Johnny Harris and Brent Crouch. And we as Weagle have had, has had more exclusive coverage of Auburn volleyball these past three years. And we've seen how far they've grown already. Now, they, they do have a long way to go before being a genuine contender in a very talented SEC conference, but Brent Crouch is building something over there in Auburn Arena, and it's something that fans need to start paying attention to. And in for Coach Jay, I mean, that upset over Tennessee says it all last year. Oh, yeah, you said Auburn Arena, not Neville Arena. Oh, but, excuse know. me. I, look, okay, I'm still learning. <laughs> Neville Arena was around for like a, a month of my junior year last year. I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning. Right, though. Come on Okay, now. sorry. There's yeah. a lot of money in that building. Come on That's now. a good point. That's a good point. I do like Neville Arena. It's a good name. It's a good name. Um, But I think – Again, you know, then the Twitter discourse jumped up and everyone was very upset. And a lot of people were like, you shouldn't be upset, uh, including a lot of beat writers, actually. You shouldn't be upset because of what Green did. Because there's been rumors and reports, and Philip Marshall's column in 24-7 Sports kind of confirmed a lot of it, that Green was running 
Auburn on a very tight budget. He was making them take buses. He had, I think, the um, the Super Regional that Auburn went to in Chapel Hill a few years back. Uh, they, he had them take buses to that, which is not the standard for most teams. They've had He's had teams take buses and stay in cheaper hotels, which technically balancing the budget looked like a good idea once COVID struck and Auburn lost all that revenue because they, they would have been in a lot more serious trouble, one could say. But still, there's been issues with that. There's been the party deck that was supposed to be built on in Plains Park. I don't know if you know about that, but that structure out in right field, that's like that little training facility, there was supposed to be like a student section party deck on top of that just never got built to it. And so instead they just put down some benches right yeah. there next yep. to it. That oh was my. kind of, yeah, so that, that that that's a rumor that I've heard in the past. Again, I cannot confirm that I've heard that story. And again, I've heard that he's withheld funding and other things, and he has a bad relationship with some of the coaches because of that. Philip Marshall alluded to that in his column, and everybody said, well, you shouldn't be upset that Alan Green's gone. Look at what he's done, and that's fair. And again, I don't think Alan Green was the perfect guy for the job. He was hired by a previous president and intended to do a different job. That's also true because Stephen Leith, the previous president, hired Green because Leith wanted to make the big football, the big sport decisions, and Green was going to be like his point man on it was the idea. And Leith, of course, is gone because a lot of crazy things happened, including including the seven-year Gus Malzahn contract extension that was signed in 2017, which was apparently his idea. Um, it's a great thing that I think wasn't here at Auburn when Gus Malzahn got extended. That that would have been a bad time. I also wasn't here. <laughs> it was it was an interesting it was an interesting experience though, nonetheless. But so you've got that, and I think. For a lot of people, including myself, yeah, Green may have not been the perfect man for the job. You can have that opinion if you want. Go right ahead. But I think my issue and a lot of people's issue is the fact that does anybody have faith in the board of trustees and the president to make the right choice? I mean, I don't. I think we could go out there into the Melton Student Center and poll 50 students, and they'd also say no. And it's just – also, who who are the candidates? Okay, so is there I, any good candidates? I've heard one of the candidates that I've heard from inside the department is Rich McGlynn. He's the associate athletic director in charge of compliance. He also is reportedly the guy that secured the Bruce Pearl contract extension this year. And he would be a great choice because he's had a lot of experience dealing with NIL legislation. So he'd be able to give a more concrete um guide to the athletic department itself because that's another thing people keep bringing up is that green was holding auburn back on nil stuff which i personally don't believe just because if people look into the nil auburn cannot be involved nobody understands that that and even then even according to alabama law if the university got involved that was against the law up until february of 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 a few months ago because then alabama got rid of it because they realized how restrictive it was but the NIL is a thing that people with money outside of the university have to create. And Auburn does a great job of guiding its players and its coaches through the murky waters of the NIL, as far as I've heard from who I've talked to. Um, but that's not something that the athletic department can control. But it is something that they uh, desperately need to help like explain to players and explain to the boosters and explain to other businesses. Because it's very, very tricky right now, and I think in yeah. the coming years we'll get a more concrete definition of it. Maybe after all this conference shakeup that's going on right now with teams in California going to the Big Ten. But no matter who we get, that's going to be the most important part of it. Because NIL is going to be what brings the players in. Now. Exactly, and what what I'm saying is when I when I I did a story on the NIL a few uh, months ago, and I talked to Coach Crouch and Coach Hoppa among others. Actually, no, I I didn't talk to Coach Hoppa. I I talked to the dire- recruiting director, um, 
Richard Madsen over there at Auburn Soccer, and they talked about how the fact that the university is explaining it as well to them, but even they're not so sure because it's kind of just waiting for other people to take the first step, waiting for other sports to take the first step. And it does come down to the fact that most of these collectives around the country are one gigantic collective where Auburn has what it seems like 10 NIL collectives dispersed across the city. I don't know how much that's to do with the athletic director and the Auburn athletic department as much as it does with the boosters themselves. But I think Rich McGlynn is a good choice if you want to go that route, if you want to go internal, if you want to go to a guy who has a lot of experience in that area and, again, reportedly with that Bruce Pearl contract extension. But it's just, I think, again, comes down to the fact that whatever faith fans had left in the board and in the precedent, which has been eroding over time with JetGate back in 2003, over and over again with the Malzahn extension, was eroded again in February with the whole Brian Harson inquiry, investigation, what have you. Now, serious questions aside, because Justin Lee did mention this in his column, there were serial, serious questions about racial insensitivity in the program. And that, that's a fair question to have. I heard stories from, we, we all heard stories from pl- former players and stuff. The issue was the fact that it seemed more less like the administration cared about that versus, because they just didn't tell anybody anything. And then they blamed social media for causing this firestorm. And I'm like, you are in control of the narrative. And they, they should know that. They should know that whatever they do is going to get blown up on Twitter, blown up on all the social media programs. That, that's just something that they got to know. No exactly. matter They could come out tomorrow and spill a cup of coffee, and it's going to get blown up all over Twitter. And you got to know that you are in control of the narrative, and letting the narrative run wild is part of your responsibility. Like, again, in a perfect world, no, social media would not cause such firestorms, but that's the reality. And yeah, they got to adjust to it or just let it lie. And again, I think just the past few years with, again, Green being the guy that picked Harson, now he's gone because there were stories and still have been stories that the Board of Trustees wanted um, Kevin Steele to replace Malzahn in 2020 before Alan Green took over and picked Brian Harson. It's just a lot of, at this point, a lack of faith in that in the Auburn administration to make the right choice, whatever the choice is going to be. And I think people just want stability in their football program, and they're fr- afraid it's going to get set back again. Oh, it definitely is. Spe- Harson better do everything in his power to keep his job this year. He's got to go – he's got to at least win a bowl. I don't know which bowl he's got to win, but he's at least got to win one. Well, I think he's got that potential – that, that's five straight home games to start the season that could really set everything in motion, but we'll have to see as the season unfolds. Auburn plays Mercer this Saturday, kickoff at 6 p.m. inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. This is Compact Discourse. I'm Alex Houston with Noah Phillips, and we'll be right back in just two minutes of PSA to talk more Auburn football and college sports in general. And we are back. This is Compact Discourse on WGL 91.1 FM and WGLFM.com. Alex Houston alongside Noah Phillips just wrapped up our Alan Green departure discussion. I'm sure we'll have an episode in the future about who Auburn decides to hire. They are going to name an interim AD soon, and then I think they're going to wait until, again, like they said, post-football season to pick because I imagine – as we said, if Auburn decides to let Harson go after this season, they're going to want to hire an athletic director who then picks his own coach. Because as Jimmy Rain put in the interview with the Montgomery Advertiser a few months ago, the Board of Trustees is in hire and fire 
athletic directors, they just hire and fire the presidents. And they don't hire and fire the coaches. That's the athletic director's job. So we'll see how that all unfolds um, in the near future. But on to other Auburn football news. T.J. Finley was unofficially named the starter yesterday and then officially named the starter. It was a news story that broke by Chris Lowe at ESPN. And it's kind of been unfolding for some time. Now, if you've been paying attention to what Harson and Eric Kiso, the new offensive coordinator, have been saying after each practice and any press conference opportunities, their praise for T.J. Finley has been the highest of the three quarterbacks that are in the running. Obviously, you got Holden Garner as the sort of – he's going to probably redshirt this year, and Harson called him the best thrower he's seen in camp. He's going to hold clipboard probably, yeah, especially which, if he's wearing a red shirt. I, I, I mean, a lot of people latched onto that statement about Garner, and I'm like, listen, guys, there's a lot more to being a quarterback than just throwing a football because if you want to be honest, Jeremy Johnson was a better thrower of the football than Nick Marshall in oh, 2013 yeah. and in 2014. Oh, yeah. But that that's not why that there's a reason Jeremy Johnson didn't start and there's a reason the team went 6 and 6 when Jeremy Johnson did start. Mm-hmm. Just I'm just going to leave that at that, yeah. right? So, a lot of people latched on that and said, why, "Well, why don't you play him?" And I'm like, "There's a lot more to it, especially for a freshman quarterback who hasn't seen a college DB anywhere. He's exactly. been playing high school. He's got to keep get time in and And again, this is this so. is a Boise State offense that is that is very complex. They do a great co- they run fast they throw the ball more than Auburn has but they also run the ball a lot as well this is an offense at least based on what Keyso and Harson did at Boise State that was a lot of trickery a lot of you know that's the same stuff they did with under Chris Peterson when Harson was the offensive coordinator so it all checks out but yeah that that's kind of a year from now let's see if he can compete in the actual depth chart but for now redshirt to have him learn I think that's Harson's glad that he has his guy. It's just a matter of waiting in the future. But again, TJ Finley been named the starter. It looks like Robbie Ashford could be second string and Zach Calzada in third, which surprises just about everybody on the planet right now. Yeah, but I mean, you can kind of see it. The stuff that Robbie Ashford was doing during the spring game was mighty, mighty impressive. And honestly, he was my pick for the starter just because of what he did during the spring game. That's how I base all of my opinions on based on how we're going to do this year. But um, Zach Calzada, he had the knee injury, and I think that scared a lot of people. Yeah. I think that's going to that's gonna hold him back from being the second string and maybe even starting a few games. Absolutely, because I think also one thing, um, for lack of a better word, I think Auburn's coaching staff is looking for some mobility because this offensive line, even though I think they will be improved from last year, they struggled a lot last year in pass protection. Nick Brahms' knee injury, we don't know really when he's going to come back. Harson's been kind of we're working day by day, which is the the approach most college coaches take. That's the they always do. And Nick Brahms is probably he is the most experienced guy on that line. And with Calzada, I think part of the problem, a lot of people were guilty of latching onto the Alabama game and be like, hey, he beat Alabama. Well, a lot of quarterbacks that were not the best. Steven Garcia beat Alabama. Let's let's remind you of that. Steven Garcia of South Carolina once beat Alabama. And Bo Wallace and Chad Kelly also beat Alabama. Now, Calzada's game against Alabama was spectacular. I mean, you look at the numbers right here, 21-31, 285, three touchdowns and a pick. That was also his second-best game of the year. And a lot of the games, he only had, I'm looking at right now, one, two, three games with a completion percentage over 60%. He was in the mid-50s the whole season. He had a lot of incompletion, which, again, Texas A&M's wide receiver core and offensive line was not great. But the Alabama game is is not the only sample size of this guy. The other thing about that Alabama game was that it was in Texas. You go, I think, just a normal everyday game in Texas A&M, 
isn't going to be filled as much as people going to an Alabama game. And I think that had a big thing to do with it was that he had the entire 12th man on his shoulders. Exactly. And I, and I think he's going to get that here at Auburn if he does start. But we got to play Alabama in Bama, and we got to play Georgia in Georgia. And I, I think I think that's a very good point there as well. So I'm not personally surprised with T.J. Finley's starting. I think he's made a lot of strides since last year. I think a lot of people focus in on the the um I I don't know. People focus in on the on the Alabama game. He was injured that game, and again, the offense is not the offense that Harson and Kiso are looking to run. That's the reason Mike Bobo's not here anymore. Let's not forget that, right? Like let's. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget the fact that Mike Bobo is not here, and it seemed like he wasn't wanted here by the coaching staff after the end of that season. That was Bobo and Derek Mason both were Harson's attempt at getting guys known throughout the South to help him bridge that recruiting gap, being a guy from Boise State. I think he's realized on the field product matters more and went with more of his Boise State guys. That's what it seems to be. But let's not forget that that's a different offense, and it's going to be different. I think Finley's made some strides. There are some concerns I still have. I think his pocket presence is really lacking. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do that patented spin move into pressure a few times where I'm like, maybe don't spin. Yeah, don't it, spin, spins only work if you're uh, Drew Brees on that one play where you spin. You remember that? Yes, that I do. That, that was a good play. <laughs> that's fair. That, that, that works. That works. But, yeah, so TJ Finley named the starter. I mean, I think it makes sense if – Based on everything that's happened, I think it makes sense that he's improved. But, again, there's also those two games against Mercer and San Jose State, so there's a chance to work things around and see what happens. He's either going to look really, really fantastic or he's going to look really, really terrible. I don't know. There's some <laughs> middle ground there. There's some middle ground. But you, you can't have a middle ground against two teams that That's a very good point. Yeah. That's Because even Bo last year looked great against uh, the tune-up game against Alabama State. I and, then he, and then he looked terrible against Georgia State. So, And then he looked great against LSU. It's all a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, last, all... year, last year's offense was about a roller coaster as there's ever been. Um, I think I think it's it could be it, – honestly, it could be worse. Michigan has named Cade McNamara the starter for one game, then Dylan McCaffrey a starter for another game, and then the third game they'll just pick one, which yeah. – I don't. I don't like that style personally. I don't like that either. But I mean, that's how Michigan did it with Tom Brady was there. That's a good that's point, and that's that's how Michigan did it last year during the college football playoff. It's just crazy to me that some teams from the Big Ten will show, but like no, like Wisconsin will go eleven and one, and they'll have the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Sometime it's just the Big Ten's a weird, and it because it's like it's like how Alabama used to be. I mean, John Parker Wilson wasn't exactly you know breaking records, but he still had that team in the SEC championship game. But I think that's just crazy to me because that reminds me of Auburn in 2016 when they had three quarterbacks play in the season opener. It was Jeremy Johnson, John Franklin III, and Sean White. This is a dark time. It, it is a dark time, and I'm real afraid that's about to repeat. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, again, Finley's got two opportunities, and he's got Penn State. You know, And I think that's – right now Auburn is saying – and again, this wasn't even broken by Auburn. It was broken by ESPN reports. I don't know what Auburn planned on doing. They threw up a TJ Finley starting graphic later that afternoon, but they, they panicked. Say, they panicked. Difficult to say what they were planning with that. And I think the question is, you know, you've got this, these two games to see what happens here. And then again, you got Penn State. And if Penn State doesn't work out, you got a Missouri game, and then you got LSU. I mean, if you want to start back at zero ahead of Missouri, you kind of could do that. Missouri, yeah. I'm not convinced. And anything that was then again, I wasn't convinced in Vanderbilt, which seems like a good transition to what happened this past weekend. Vanderbilt, 
blew Hawaii out of the planet. I don't even – you said it was going to happen, apparently. I did. I said it on the Eagles' nest because of one thing, S-E-C. Oh, S-E-C. Lord. S-E-C. Stop. S-E-C. Absolutely not. That's just – I mean, yeah. And it, it is crazy. It does show how much of the gap – because Vanderbilt could still be 4-8 and eight this year, and that still is the gap between – which Hawaii is in, a di- in dire straits currently. That program is a far cry away – from the Colt Brennan 2007 season when he threw for 58 touchdowns. That's not the Hawaii team that we know. They're not even playing in Aloha Stadium because the stadium got condemned, basically. Yeah, and I still can't believe that. That It was such a nice stadium. You know, I think if the Pro Bowl went back there, it'd still be a thing. But because of all this stuff with the Pro Bowl, it's just Well, can't. the reason the Pro Bowl left is because they built it with a type of metal that rusts very easily, and the salt water in the air basically has it decaying. So oh, like, uh, it's like structurally unsound. But the NFL's got money. They can. They could have very easily went back. But and, why? Why not just rotate the stadiums that are already built? Nobody likes Orlando. No, nobody likes that. They, <laughs> nobody likes it where they play the Orange Bowl. They need to just leave. Well, that's Miami. Oh, you wait, mean the no, Citrus Bowl? Citrus Bowl. It, same thing. Sa- same thing. Both the fruit, I guess. But both the. I thought a citrus was like an orange. What is a citrus? Hang on. Well, technically, it, I think I believe it is officially an orange. This, this is the kind of compact discourse discussion we were looking for here. Forget football. Forget Auburn football. Let's talk about what a citrus is. I'm looking it up myself right now. I believe, yeah, it is just like what oranges and other fruits like that are classified as. It looks like a grapefruit and an orange. Like, Yep. Um, plants in the... Genus produce citrus fruits, including important crops such as oranges, lemons, grapefruits, pomelos, and limes. I'm thinking about the Peach Bowl, though. That's the one in Atlanta, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which I think is a bit of a contradiction because Chick-fil-A doesn't have peaches. But it don't matter. Chick-fil-A pays for that. That's a good point. That's Ch- a good Chick- point. Chick-fil-A needs to start stalling peaches. The question is, what would happen if they put the Peach Bowl on a Sunday? It couldn't be. It couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. Chick-fil-A would have. Like, we have to pull our sponsorship. We can't. We cannot. In good conscience, support support an event taking place on a Sunday. Can't can't do that. Y'all, y'all got to go to Mercedes Benz or something. It become the Popeyes, uh, the Popeyes Louisiana Kitchen Peach Bowl in Atlanta, Georgia. Seems like a bit of a contradiction. The total opposite of what they're looking for. I'm that. just waiting for Popeyes to bro- to sponsor the Sugar Bowl. It makes sense. It's in New Orleans. Make it the Popeyes Louisiana Kitchen Sugar Bowl. Either that or do something like give out do, some. Do a total new bowl. Do the Popeyes Louisiana Chicken Bowl, like the Outback Bowl. You know, we had um, in Mobile, we had formerly, it was the GMAC Bowl, then it was the GoDaddy.com Bowl, and now I don't really remember what it's even called anymore. Uh, there's no telling. It could be just some random business down there. It could be like the surfboard, surfboard Bowl. Okay, okay. Mobile's not that, it's not that south. I, I'm from, like, the east side. I don't know anything about Mobile. Okay, well... It's near the beach. That's kind of our, our great claim to fame. And the seafood's pretty good. That's that's all we got. I don't believe that. And uh, It can't yeah. be as good as Panama City's. I've never been to Panama City myself, so you I need, can't you say. You need to go. I need to go? Okay, yes, well, go. speaking of needing to go, it looks like we have to go because it's 8.30 and we got another uh, PSA break coming up. We'll be right back after this for more. Maybe Auburn football discussion might be seafood discussion i have no idea but this is combat discourse on wgl 91.1 fm and we'll be right back after this we are back once again on weagle 91.1 fm inside the bradley based wegl studio alex houston alongside noah phillips 
And the college football discussion continues with poor, innocent Nebraska. Poor. They did it to themselves. The Nebraska debacle is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's still technically a blue blood of the program, but can't win football. I mean, but the blue blood status is entirely because Tom Osborne had that team on the most magical run ever in the late 90s where they just won every game, it seemed like, and never – I mean, they beat everybody. Yeah. but And, like, even even Bo Pelini was not a bad coach. Now, a lot of people on Twitter like to keep correcting everybody and saying, well, you know, Bo Pelini, uh, he rubbed a lot of the boosters and stuff the wrong way and upset a lot of people. Okay, sure, fine. But the fact that they've had, I think it is, three coaches since Bo Pelini that have been terrible. Can't win football games. That's the only thing that, well – it's the only thing that should matter, but obviously there is some more delicate fabrics to that. But at the end of the day, if you cannot win football games, you should not be a head coach at this level. And specifically at Nebraska, which is probably, it is, the biggest and best program in its region. I mean, it's not a great region of football out there. Obviously, Texas is the place to be. And I honestly think perhaps leaving the Big 12 did cost Nebraska some of its recruiting edge because... Texas is that hotbed, and when you're in the Big 12 constantly facing Texas, you get your name out there, whatnot. And I think leaving that kind of hurt them. But even then, like, I mean, last year they were probably the best 3-9 and team of all time. They outscored their Big 10 opponents, and they won one game. Exactly. In every single one of their games, I believe, was a great game to watch. Well, except one, the one victory. Like there, so they had their three victories were all blowouts, basically. Yeah, exactly. Which is crazy, but their nine losses were all by single digits. That that is insane. I mean, let me. Do, I'm just pulling up the numbers right now, and it's so frustrating because that fan base is one of the best in college football. I mean, they sell out Memorial Stadium every game, even though it doesn't matter. Yeah, like it just <laughs> it just doesn't, and it's so insane to me because, like. I'm I'm pulling up the seasons right now. This is this will be a great picture of what what happens. And again, Tom Osborne was there from 1973 all the way to 1997. At the end of his career, he won three national championships in four years, which was also oh my gosh! So I'm looking at it right now. Osborne lost seven straight bowl games, and then he, and then after that, won three national championships in four years and then retired. Good for him. Exactly. That's, that's all you got to do. Exactly. Like and again, all those bowl games were Fiesta, Orange Bowl, all the big ones. So it wasn't like they were playing, you know, the smallest teams. So then the holiday bowls or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So then it was um still in the Big Twelve Conference. Frank Solich took over. I don't even know who this guy is. I've never heard of him before. Um, and he actually got them to be ranked number two in the nation, nineteen ninety nine at a twelve and one record. It looks like why did he leave Nebraska? Did he retire? Probably. Um so oh. Actually, look at this. So after Nebraska finished the year uh, ten or nine and three, he was fired. <laughs> Which again, I don't know why he was fired. And then Bo Pelini served as the interim head coach for the bowl game. But then Bill Callahan came in, former coach of the Raiders in the NFL, and he was decent. He had two losing seasons, but two winning seasons. And then Pelini comes in, and Pelini goes nine and four, and then ten and four, two seasons back to back. Then they go to the Big Ten. Nine and four, ten and four, nine and four, nine and four again, gets fired. Then you've got Mike Riley. Mike Riley comes in from Oregon State, was not very good at Oregon State, goes six and seven his first year, nine and four his second year, but losing the Music City Bowl, and then four and eight. Music City Bowl, that's like the bowl that Troy plays in. That 
isn't it? I think you're thinking of the Liberty Bowl. Lib- yeah, yeah, Music yeah, City yeah. Bowl's in Nashville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, so, yeah. Yeah, so then they bring in Scott Frost, red hot from his time at UCF. You know, they beat, they beat Auburn in 2017. He was National the hot, champions. Basically, basically. He was the hottest coach in college football. They bring Scott Frost in. First year, 4-8. and Okay, it's fine. Last year, Mike Riley rebuilding. Then 5-7. and seven. Okay, some progress, right? Some progress. Then 3-5 and five in um, in 2020, the COVID year. And then last year, 3-9. and nine. So let me be clear on this. In five seasons of play for Scott Frost – that's five seasons of play. He has won 15 games, which is less than Bo Pelini won in his last two years at Nebraska. And again, a lot of people bring up Pelini was a hothead. He was notorious for yelling at players on the sideline, not in the Knicks same way, like in the like, you know, coach that might be hitting his players when the cameras aren't rolling, kind of like that was that was the vibe that people had from him. And that was the the consensus, honestly, that he was very much a hothead that also couldn't win big games. He, yeah. I mean, I remember, you may remember this as well, um, the Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game where Nebraska lost 70-31. to 31, Oh, yeah, I remember that. Which oh, had that great goodness. Taylor Martinez um, run that was like 90 yards or whatever, but mm-hmm. other than that, they got annihilated. Yeah. and Which was a complete debacle. It, so that criticism is fair of Pelini, but the fact that you fire Pelini to then follow up with two coaches who have been terrible – and then, One winning season since 2015. And the thing about last year is, as much as we want to talk great about that team, if you're losing by one score, that just means you can't finish. Which we saw this weekend. Exactly. You Well, that may have also been because you're doing onside kicks That's what for I'm no saying, reason. Though. Things like that that get in your own way of a win. Exactly. And you just can't fin- – you have to be able to finish games. That's the number one thing that coaches should – Tell their players is you got to finish. That's why the number four, like holding up the four in Tuscaloosa and everywhere else. I know that every single high school in America does that by now, but that is why it's so important is because you got to finish. And, and I think even again, like you said, for this Northwestern game, again, Northwestern was bad last year. I love Pat Fitzgerald. I think he's going to get that stadium named after him out of Northwestern, but they were not a good team last year. And oh, looks like Logan, program director, joining the show here. Yes, we are. Were you listening on the way here? Oh, it appears he was. All right, let's get him booted up while we're while we're Googling some of this stuff right here. So Pat Fitzgerald, as I was talking about him, again, one of my favorite coaches, uh, went to North, uh, still at Northwestern. I applied to Northwestern and got rejected, so I'm a little, little sensitive about that one, admittedly. All right, Logan, you're on. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Also, Adrian's doing tomorrow and Rio's doing Thursday. But what about Wednesday? I mean – Wednesday. Oh, I'm shoot. Doing okay. Tomorrow. I apologize. I got a little fuzzy, a little fuzzy. I'm fuzzy too. It's early. It's early. It was a long weekend. Um, Northwestern 3 9 last year, but still, Nebraska has that game in the bag and then an onside kick up 11. Why, oh, why would you decide? Like, that's like the desperation move is an onside kick. Not a we're up 11. Let's don't know. Maybe he thought it was Sean Patton. He wanted to make but- a statement. If you want, if you want to twist the knife for the victory, keep throwing the ball or something. You don't have to run an onside kick. <sighs> Nebraska again. I mean, Pelini's issues aside, the fact that they've gone from that to this is just such a drop and for it, them, and it will continue to be a drop. Yeah, if they don't preach how to finish. I just, I just can't believe that it's gone this bad. Because again, like, 
Osborne's bowl struggles aside, he never won less than nine games, which is ridiculous, by the way. Everybody else has an off year, especially when you're not Alabama, basically. Um, but he wins three national championships in his last four years. Since then, Nebraska has sniffed a national championship one time. That was 1999 with Frank Solich. But, again, he got fired. I mean, am I missing something here? The, like, did he do something that – The other great thing about that, though, is who wants to go to Nebraska? How do you convince kids to go to Nebraska to play football? You win. I'm saying. It, it, besides winning, like, people I mean, still go to Florida – and they don't win. In fairness, Nebraska hey. is one of the best game day environments. Florida won two years ago. I'll tell you why. They were pretty good. The ten season, they had three ten, se- ten win seasons before last year. And then somebody threw a shoe. Yes. And oh threw. my gosh! The throw, <laughs> the throwing the shoe being like the the tipping point is crazy. As someone who watched that game live as a Florida fan, that broke me. That was and mentally. That was pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I that was pretty it was. funny. Could be worse. You could be a Miami fan. Okay, this in, is this in the is, one year we were back, we lost in the pinstripe bowl. This is one of my this is one of my points. So if you're a lower crew, right, you're not gonna be probably not an NFL prospect. Because you know, Vandy just destroyed Hawaii as we were talking about as you guys were talking about earlier. SEC baby. Which, why would you not want to go to Hawaii to play football? Um, I mean, think about the scenery. Like you'd be living in paradise for four years. That's a good point. And you get full ride probably. That's a good point, but also I think, you know, the reality is, let's let's be honest with high school recruits, none of them, they're not very good at accepting, like there's, that's not a discussion, everybody believes they can make it until they can't. Yeah. It, but again, Nebraska is one of the best game day environments in college football, That that's without question. I mean, if you go to Nebraska, part of the pitch is this fan base will adore you until the end of time, and they have. <laughs> People still wear the Taylor Martinez jerseys, because he was awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's just, oh, Nebraska. I don't know, though. As a recruit, if you told me, like, the game day experience was good and we have a rich history, I don't think that'd be enough. you got to, like, show me something else. Well, they got I, a lot of boosters. Well, that's because the NIL now. Exactly. Things be, have changed. Yeah. Which, is, But, again, I think you can make an argument about why go anywhere. Why go to Auburn, Alabama? Really? Even even ten years ago, have, twenty years ago. Have you seen the great campus we have here? <laughs> so does Nebraska. That's not, that's what I'm saying though. Yeah, but you have a lot more corn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Corn's you, good. You got peanuts. I here. guess corn is in now. Corn is in now. Haven't you heard about corn kid? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I guess I guess more people are going to Nebraska because of corn kid. Hey, maybe maybe they should have him as their unofficial mascot. I think that's a great idea. Um, like the University of Southern Carolina. Well, the thing is, too, is you go to Auburn, at least you're close to the beach. Where are you close to in Nebraska? Corn. Corn. As someone who's been in Nebraska, and I think I applied to in Nebraska or thought about it. Really? Yeah. You thought they about a, it? They had a good journalism school. They did? I think. <laughs> Isn't Aren't they the one in Lincoln? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Nebraska. Wow, well, look at that. Well, there you go. I, I, I didn't. I just don't know how... Where they can go from here, because let's be honest, I don't know how good or bad Northwestern's going to be. They've been all over the place these last four years. But either way, if you can't beat Northwestern, can you beat anybody else in the Big Ten? No. Maybe this was a fluke. Who knows? Maybe this was just the straw that broke the camel's back and they go on a tear. I, the thing is, and it's not a bad thing to back your head coach. Obviously, we've seen Auburn's not a big fan of putting a lot of backing behind their head coaches. Regardless putting a lot of, of money behind them, though. We do do that. Exactly. Yeah, you seem, you seem to. Um, 
like Florida State with Mike Norville, right? And now this with Scott Frost in Nebraska. There's got to be a line where you realize it's time to make a change. But oh, they yeah. haven't. And that's the, that's the state of the Scott Frost era at Nebraska in Lincoln. But it is 844, about to be 845, so we're going to have to head out for another commercial break, PSA break. Logan joining the show. Noah Phillips alongside me again. I'm Alex Houston, and we'll be right back on WGL 91.1 FM with more Compact Discourse after this. So, you know, when I decided we had to bring Compact Discourse back, it was really because these bumps are so good. Shout out Jack Hart, former production director, now taken over by Davis Carroll as production director. It's excellent. Love all of them. Also, I, I should have been using some of these sound bites. There's so many. I think I'm just going to start using them at uh, on you, Logan, at random times. Prepare yourself. Now I can hear the sound. You can? What happened? You're I not- didn't have headphones over here. Well, that that's just that. Where'd they go? I don't know. Uh-oh. We lost a pair of headphones, it seems. If anybody's seen a pair of headphones, please return them to the Bradley Basin WGL studio. In the bowels of the Harold Mountain suit. I didn't use that part. I figured that would be Jackson Jacks alone. <laughs> um. So I guess... We can keep having college football discussion, or we can just go off into tangents if we want. There is, of course, college football coming up this weekend. It'll probably become a tangent at that's, some that's point. A, that's sure. a very good point. So I guess, Logan, what's on the agenda for B-Drop this uh, this week? Nothing, because we got kicked off for sports. Oh, yeah, there is. I'm going to be on that broadcast with Aiden Kowalski. Auburn Volleyball, <laughs> we just talked about them earlier. Brent Crouch really um, building something special over there in Neville Arena. Ne- Neville. Neville. I said Neville Arena. Neville. I, I forgot last time. Got to make the boosters happy. Oh, Lord. No, 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 no. <laughs> I forgot. Oregon's playing Georgia this weekend? The only good game, probably. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, it's not. Never mind. I keep thinking it's... I, I, Cincinnati and Arkansas? Utah and Florida? I thought that game was on week zero. I got, like, really excited. Notre Dame and Ohio State? Really? Who's Alabama play this week? Do they play Utah like- State. Oh, never mind. I thought they played someone good. Hey though, Utah State's one and zero. They uh, <laughs> they beat UConn by eleven last last uh, week or this past weekend. So there's that. After week one, I think Vandy's a lock for the national championship. Baby. championship like, baby. It's all gonna be funny because Vandy's gonna go four and eight, but they're gonna lose. Like they're gonna be the opposite of Nebraska last year because they're gonna be the worst four and eight team ever because they're gonna beat Hawaii by forty or by fifty, and then they're gonna lose to Alabama by like eighty. Who knows? Maybe this is the sign. Maybe this is when Vandy turns it around. I'm really, really, really not convinced of that. I'd like to think you're wrong. Have you seen the unbeaten graphic? Like teams like UNLV oh, and gosh. like FSU. Vandy. And like a bunch of random teams are on that. I really hope that's what it looks like at the end of the season because this season would be complete chaos. Because last year was not a lot of chaos, unfortunately. It was kind of boring. Yeah. You had Alabama and Georgia. Georgia. As it always goes. Hey, Michigan beat Ohio State, though. That was a little chaotic. That was a little chaotic, and then they scored four points against Georgia. Wow. many. We, we, we forget about that, don't we? The most chaotic thing was the offseason. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. Speaking, Brian Kelly vanishing from Notre Dame without a trace. Speaking of offseason, you know what's happening when we're off air tonight? What? Morbius oh, Monday. I may just go just to promote the podcast. There's there was a uh, there's a message by Dylan Basden in our group chat saying, "Do you guys want to see Morbius tonight?" U- UPC is hosting Morbius. Is it on the green space? That is the worst decision I've ever made. If they wouldn't go see it in theaters, why are we going to go see it for free? Come on now. 
Because it's a meme. They're trying to harness the meme again. They did because they said it's Morbin time. He does not say that. I can't confirm. Uh, having unfortunately watched Watch the, movie, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's on the campus green. Doors open at 7 p.m. even though there's no doors. And a uh, movie starts at 7.30 p.m. It's Morbin time. We are excited to see you Monday for Morbius on the upper quad lawn. The comments read, it's Morbin time. Finally, it's Morbin time. Morbin Monday. Finally, some real cinema. Y'all That's wild for this one. Bruh. <laughs> Can't believe I'm going to miss Morbin Monday. Dang, I'm going to miss the part where Morbius says it's Morbin time and Morb's all over everyone. <laughs> Who was reasonable for this? That was probably me. I probably misspelled reason. Uh, Actually, is your name Mackie Miller? Are you running a burner account? <laughs> hey, I is that the Mackie hour? <laughs> no, well, stop. No. Um, it's Morbin time, starring America's sweetheart, Jared Leto. Uh, the movie's so bad. It's... So bad. It is real And bad. if you want to know how bad it is, you can listen to the Through the Lens podcast on it, Morbius Madness. I did a multiverse episode on it, and then I it was so bad, I'm like, you know what? I'm not even putting this out. I said That's I right. Logan watched Morbius one time, and it killed his podcast. It did. I, I just was so mad that I just stopped doing it. It destroyed multiverse before it could even get off the ground. Maybe it might come back. Who knows? Logan, Logan program director with 48 shows. It might come back. By the way, speaking of shows... I don't know if I'm gonna be on through the winds this week. You what? said Friday, right? Probably. Is when you want to film it? If you can film it another film day, film it. You mean recording it? You know what I mean. Uh huh. We can record it another day. That would be suffice because I have work Friday. Well, I the game is on. Not it off on anybody. I know it's on Saturday. There, I mean, I mean, I know there's a, the, the broadcast is on Wednesday and Thursday, so there's not really an alternative and option. Sunday, unless we do Sunday morning early through the winds. I cannot. You ain't going to church. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, my Lord. It's just, I don't want to do it early Sunday morning. I'm I mean, come covered. You just do it without me. I'm fine with that, but. We are having four MCU episodes, so you're going to have your I just want it to be pick. the first one. The first one is the most lukewarm did you, one. Did you know that also there was an extended cut of Incredible Hulk? No. That's like one of an the best extra, like, There's an extra like 25, 30 minutes that Ed Norton basically forced them to make and then they cut it. They cut like 30 minutes. I can't rem- imagine an extra 20 to 30 minutes lends a lot to that movie. It's so mediocre. Well, they said it was really boring. Test screenings did. So. I imagine so. The movie itself is very boring. No, it's not. It's one of the best. Only one. It's like, I like it. It's just because you're comparing it to like the first Iron Man. Yeah. The Incredible Hulk movie is not that bad. It's not that bad. It is that bad. It is not that bad. No, it's not. It's not I mean, Morbius. No, okay, okay. It's not Morbius, obviously, and it's not Fan Four Stick, and it's not X Men: The Last Stand or X Men: Origins or X Men: Apocalypse. I think it's better than the first Dark Thor Phoenix. movie. What? I think it's better than the first Thor movie. It definitely is. Okay, guys, this is like okay, this is like saying you know I think Venom: Let There Be Carnage is better than Morbius. Both are still bad movies. Yes, but. One is looked by a lot more fondly than the I, other. I think The Incredible Hulk is decent enough because its action scenes are great. I think the CGI is pretty terrible, and I think any scene with Liv Tyler is also pretty bad. I mean, I thought Hulk looked fine. I didn't think Abomination looked I good. think he looks good in some shots and horrendous in other shots. Fair. Because like, there's that shot where he pulls off his shirt when he's walking. looks awesome. looks great. looks like Thanos. Then the next shot, when he like, starts running, it's like, bro, what is this PS2 game? <laughs> what is this? But that's just a sneak peek for the MCU Phase 1 episode of Through the Lens on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your local podcast. That was the plug. I don't really have anything else. 
Logan, you about to go to class? You're leaving? I'm about to Rocky run to class. Where? You, so where's your class? In the library. I oh, Lord. Minutes. You might want to put on the Rocky music, man. Okay, stop. He's going to world. What, he, oh, he left something. What? What did he? He ran back, slammed the door, oh, and left. I guarantee you he's gonna fall in the Haley Concourse. Or he's gonna be one of those guys that rides a bike and just runs into people. No, I bet you he falls like right before he hits the library door. Oh, like he falls into the door. Oh, that's unfortunate. I hope I hope that doesn't happen. Oh, he'll be okay. Well, we'll we'll certainly see. And with um, college football coming up this weekend, Utah versus Florida. I don't know why people are excited about that game. Florida was so bad last year. No, and they'll be bad again. And Utah's a good football team. Kyle yeah. Whittingham's probably one of the best coaches in the game right now, and he's built a good program there with uh, all that talent and really all those incredible environments they've had. They've had a lot of unfortunate games like that dropped touchdown against Oregon where he just oh, dropped yeah, the ball right. before the end zone. I don't think that's going to be an exciting game. I think, honestly, the game I'm most curious to see is Notre Dame versus Ohio State. How does the post-Brian Kelly era begin? Because Dude. Notre Dame has been synonymous with losing to any big team they've played ever. So what does it look like when they travel to Ohio Stadium and play an Ohio State team that's probably a national championship contender at this I'll, point? I'll take Ohio State by 20. Wow. Yes. And I'll stand by that because I don't I just don't know about Notre Dame. I can't like there's a very tiny small amount of me that wants them to win because then maybe, just maybe, they'll feel compelled to join a conference at the end of the season. Why is everyone so hung up on joining a conference? I don't really I never understood. Because that. when you get to a if you're trying to go to a national championship, if you're an independent, you don't have to win your conference championship game. Okay, and why does a conference championship game matter? Because it just does. Because so years ago when it was Clemson versus eight and four Pittsburgh, if eight and four Pittsburgh won the conference championship, does that mean they belonged in the national championship? No, it means they get to go to the Orange Bowl. That's what that means. But everybody brings that up as if the Pac-12 isn't worse than Notre Dame's schedule on an on an average year, as if it is. It is, but at the end of the day, you still have to win that extra game. In order to go to the college football playoff. The Notre Dame should just schedule 13 games and be done with it. Exactly. I'd be okay with that. If they put like another – I'd be okay if they scheduled like UNLV or somebody like that just to round out their season. I think I think scheduling Ohio State was a decent step, especially because Ohio State will come visit Notre Dame, I guess, next year, maybe two years from now. Hopefully it will go better than – excuse me, when Georgia visited Notre Dame Stadium and took over. Oh, yeah, that – Georgia fans travel so well. I'm so confused by that. Why? What? What? what why do they travel so well? Well, I mean, when you is, it, is the urge to when, bark at children really that high? When you live that close to Atlanta, driving anywhere just feels like heaven. I guess it's a very good point, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very good point. I have nightmares of driving in Atlanta. I've driven to Atlanta one time, didn't like it, never want to go back. Yeah, I know. That one time will just, like, completely kill you. However, driving to Auburn now has also given me nightmares. Oh, good Lord. Don't bring that up. Good Lord. I still have, like, I hate it. Hate it. Leave it, like, like, try to leave my apartment at 5 o'clock. Try to go to McDonald's that's, like, maybe a block down. Get back at 6.30. (laughs) Maybe that's because you're going to that McDonald's, which takes forever, by the way. Oh, yeah, but I go inside. They don't take that long when you go inside. They have when I've gone. That's why I just don't go to McDonald's. Well, I mean, I can't help that, you know, I'm trying to ball on a budget here. 
Got to get that value meal. Actually, I'll take that back. If I'm, if I'm balling on a budget, i go to Burger King. Oh, like, Lord. get like 20 chicken nuggets for Why $3. Don't go to Taco Bell. Because I don't, Taco Bell ain't that good. But it's as cheap as Bur- Burger King's not that good either. Burger King's fantastic. Those chicken nuggets are heaven. No, it is not. No. My man turned my mic off. No, I turned, I turned <laughs> Logan. You're oh, still on. Oh. I, I just forgot that I had Logan's oh, mic bad. left on. Wow. There's no, okay. Bad. Okay. Let's let's just calm down. <laughs> let's calm down there. All right. Let let's take a deep breath. My bad. My bad, ladies and gentlemen. I thought he turned my mic off. Yeah, it is your bad. Unbelievable. But the time has come up. I think that'll do it for our final episode or our final our first episode of Compact Discourse. Lord have mercy. I'm all I'm all out of sorts here this morning. It's been it's been a long morning already. I'm Alex Houston alongside Noah Phillips. Apparently a Big fan of Burger King and McDonald's, but not Taco Bell. Probably a hot take among the Auburn community. Probably, but you know, I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, I'm right and they're wrong. So, okay, you know. all right, all right, all right. Again, for Noah Phillips, I'm Alex Houston. We thank you for listening to Compact Discourse and joining us in the Bradley Bays and WGL studio. And Compact Discourse will be back again tomorrow. Oh, that's the wrong button. Sorry about that. <laughs> Compact Discourse will be back again tomorrow as Logan, who you just met, will take over the show on Tuesday, then Adrian on Wednesday, and Rio on Thursday. Compact Discourse is back. Weagle 91.1 FM is back, and the school year has only just started. We're excited for where this year will take us, and we'll see you all next Monday at least.